Welcome back to the Fostering Financial Victories podcast. My name is Eric Mazel. I'm your co-host today with Miss Bree Prosser. And this is the second installment of our small business series where we are highlighting some local business owners here in the upstate of South Carolina. Our guest today is Mr. Kent Barber. Uh, Kent, thank you for taking time out of your busy day to come and share your story. Appreciate you guys having me on. It's an honor. Cool. So, Bree, where do you want to kick this thing into gear from? So we kind of talked a little bit beforehand about how you got to where you are today. And so can you give us like a little synopsis of how you got there? Absolutely. So um, just in terms of I I have a small business called Daybreak Investors that launched in July. uh, So about a little less than a year ago, um, as well as a uh, clothing store, boutique store in Greenville called Harrington's that launched about a year ago. And kind of the road to get there has been very windy over the past 15 years. Um, grew up here in Greenville. I um, uh, left uh, for high school. I left and went to a boarding school uh, outside of Atlanta and Rome, Georgia, called Darlington. I wasn't a bad kid. It was it was my family's from the Northeast that they migrate, migrated down here uh, with the textile industry in the 50s. And so our family... Uh, we have a, a textile company called Kent Manufacturing, Kent Wool. It's been operating since 1843, actually. Um, it's a, almost 180 years old, a, a tradition that dates back to uh, making uniforms for the Confederate and Union armies in the Civil War. So rich history there. That brought us to South Carolina uh, fully in the 70s. I was born in, in the 80s, so grew up here in Greenville. Um and then when I, I graduated college, I went to Auburn, and when, like most college graduates, had no idea what I wanted to do. And so I uh, had applied to law school. I thought that was going to be kind of the, the plan, uh, and went uh, totally opposite and went and moved to the Caribbean for a year with, with some uh, two good guy friends, uh, Tyler Gregg and Owen Lucas, and down there... Um, there was uh, four girls from Clemson doing the same thing. We became like brothers and sisters. Uh, and one of their best friends, uh, Lauren, came to visit them at the end of our first summer. And uh, that actually, she actually became my wife about two years later. Um, but while I was down there, uh, my uncle, uh, a guy by the name of Mark Kent, um, I came back for Christmas and he kind of looked at me in the face. We had lunch and he said, what are you doing? Well, I'm bartending in St. Thomas. And he said, no, I know, but what's your plan? And I said, well, uh, I guess I'm going to go to law school next year. And he said, well, do you want to? And I was like, does anybody want to? <laughs> and so. Um, no offense, he, attorneys. No offense. But he said, well, have you ever thought about working for our family business? And I said, I don't, I didn't study textiles in school. I don't really know anything about it. And he said, well, you'll learn everything you need to know inside the walls. We'll teach you that. And he said, you'll know within, you know, a couple of weeks if it's for you or for not. If it's not, that's okay. And so I moved back uh, May of, of 2008 and started working um, at Kentwell. 2007 was their best year ever. 2008 was their worst year ever. Yeah, you kind of started at the uh, worst possible time. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I was a naive 23-year-old that was dating a girl that I was in love with. And so I was kind of sheltered and blinded to really what was going on. Uh, and my uncle was this bigger-than-life kind of guy. 
And so he he made it seem okay through all this crazy stuff. But that got my career started in in textiles and apparel. Sold yarn, um, worked throughout the plant first year, uh, worked with some great people uh, that had worked for our family for years. My first boss was a lady by the name of Joanne Roper that had worked for us for 55 years. And she told me stories of my granddad and my uncle that I didn't even know and what we actually did like as a company, uh, which embarrassingly I didn't really know until then. And um, from there, uh, went out to sell our uh, core core product, which was worsted wool yarn. And there's a lot of high-end fashion, outdoor uh, hosiery, hiking socks to, to lower-end buffing pad uh, grade that uses our yarn, or at least did back then. And I was selling buffing pad yarn, which everyone has that, you know, itchy grandmother sweater story. That wool is still used, but it's in industrial products like buffing pads to strip paint and stuff like that. that so, makes my, sense. so, so my, my biggest clients were like 3M and stuff like that. But at the same time, it was a hundred year old type business. You know, I knew your granddad, I knew your uncle, all this stuff. And so like paving your own way was very difficult in about, uh, two years into to working at Kent Wool, uh, Mark had a great idea for a consumer good product line called the Kent Wool Performance Golf Sock. That came from him playing in the BMW Charity Pro-Am as a amateur, getting a blister, um, just wearing run-of-the-mill, you know, foot joy pads, cotton socks. Went in the pro shop, uh, couldn't find anything of, subs- of substance, uh, I think he might have wore his smart wool hiking socks the next day on the course. And luckily his caddy that week was our president of manufacturing, Keith Horn. And uh, while Mark, Mark was complaining about bad socks and golf, Keith said, well, you own a wool company. You might as well do something about it. And so that's where that idea came from and was an opportunity for me to jump into something totally new yeah. for the company. And so that was 2009-ish. Uh, spent a lot of time up in Hickory, North Carolina, which at one time was the hosiery capital of the world, pretty much. And we developed a very over-engineered, uh, high price point golf sock. And we launched it in 2010 at the PGA Show in a time where no one was really launching anything new. They were all, you know, deep in the recession and uh, weren't spending money innovating and we came out uh, with a $20 wool golf sock where the the industry leader was about nine ninety nine cotton pad. And we just, in a very genuine but fun, gregarious way, just gave out socks to everybody. And from that, I mean, there's a lot more hard work than this sounds, but we had so much fun uh, with different opportunities from having guys like Bubba Watson be the face of our brand for six years, seeing, you know, him win nine PGA Tour events, two Masters, Ryder Cup team members, Twitter following go from 7,000 to over a million, uh, talking about our socks and our products, having golf teams like Clemson and, and them being big ambassadors for us and doing the first ever sponsorship of the, of the Association of Tour Caddies, um, where, uh, one caddy by himself isn't compelling, but 150 caddies uh, as one voice for your product, carrying 50-pound bags, uh, walking all the rounds is compelling. Sure. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, during that time, I fell in love with branding, with consumer products, with with making a quality product uh, that people don't need, but that when they find it, they love it. And um, and then you see the word of mouth buzz start going and uh, some compounding momentum happen, much like with what you guys do in the market yeah. um, behind the scenes. And so from there, uh, you know, it's, it's, you never really know what, obviously a lot of life happened in that time. Lauren and I got married, um, had started having, uh, building our family. We have three kids now. Um, but you know, it was, uh, uh, my uncle, um, was never, uh, he was always very open to, Hey, Kent, if you have another opportunity that comes like you should take it and get out of these walls and grow and learn um, and he's, because he never really got that chance. Cause my granddad died when he was 28. Uh, and so, you know, parts of me took that offensively, like, like more insecurely as like, do you not see a future here for me? Am I not doing a good job? Um, it, it, it took a couple of years later to really realize like the meaning behind that. But in 2016, I did have that opportunity come up and, uh, a mentor guy I respect very much. His name's uh, Bob Humphreys. He leads uh, 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 a, a publicly traded uh, apparel company called Delta Apparel that is headquartered here in Greenville that no one really knows about, but it's a it's a behemoth, and they own a bunch of brands, um, uh, Salt Life and and Sophie. If you remember the cheerleading shorts and all that stuff back in the day, but they had bought a. Uh, a small brand called Coast Apparel. And Bob uh, offered me the opportunity to come try to uh, relaunch that brand for them. And so I, I, I left the family company to go to the publicly traded company and to do that. And, you know, it was one of those things that I understood now what Mark was talking about because I felt this burden lifted uh, from my shoulders of of being the sixth generation family member at the company to what the future looked like to all this undue expectation you put on yourself to actually just being an employee number X that if he didn't do Y would get let go and or if he did you know really well then would be celebrated and stuff like that and, and it was really refreshing um, honestly probably a whole different experience going from a family business into the publicly traded side. It definitely, it definitely was. And you, you don't realize what you take for granted sure. and the trust and autonomy I had at the family business, um, uh, set your own schedule to, you know, um, you know, say I'm gonna go to my kids X and, you know, then it'd be like, yeah, have fun. It'd be great. We'll see you tomorrow. Um, and, and to actually have, you know, uh, the ability to really influence uh, uh, decision-making process, ideas, um, which I still had because Coast was very small, uh, but Delta was such a big organization and there was, you know, things built in and, you know, all these processes and, and different stuff. And so, yeah, it was, you know, you, you don't realize like what matters <laughs> to you until it's not there. Right. Uh uh, and when I was there, um, I was there about eight or nine months and, and, uh, un- like 
unseen, unfortunate, and tragic, but Mark passed away unexpectedly. Um, and uh, that one, it was a shock to our family, uh, which um, uh, we, it doesn't feel like it's been four years, but um, two, it put a lot of things in perspective. Um, and, but then at the same time, <clears throat> a lot more responsibility was, was shared uh, throughout different family members. But I, my, I became responsible for a lot of things. I didn't really, I mean, I knew what our plan was, ironically, um, which is good. And we had a plan and, and um, had everything kind of set up. But, you know, it was so unexpected that it, it was not top of mind by any, any means. And so that was kind of a very crazy time. Uh, we were pregnant with our, our third child um and kind of overnight i became uh trustee fiduciary general partner of a limited partnership uh and really just a lot of eyeballs were on me for decision making and for uh, uh just taking care of them and i really had no idea what to do in that so you've come full circle Working, uh, you you said a lot in there. So yeah. you didn't tell us about the uh, the uh, year in in the Caribbean. So I, I, that that threw me off a little bit. Yeah, um, <laughs> sorry, I'm still stuck there a little bit. We but can we can have a whole other podcast I, on. that. I bet so. <laughs> so you go from uh, working in family business, working in corporate America, back to kind of being pushed into a almost uh, leadership role in your family because of a, a an, an early death for a family member. So now you are small business owner uh, on your own, kind of back into that well, unknown area every day. And I'll tell you, there's there's another part of the story that was to get to the business owner part, which I'll talk about. But uh, some of the silver linings that came out of the year in the Caribbean, besides meeting my wife and having a lot of fun, was I was a bartender and a waiter in a hot in a very busy Irish pub on the marina, and I learned so much about serving others and, and other people's behaviors and how to respond nicely to not nice situations and how to deal with, you know, uh, uh, people of different cultures, West Indie culture, working in the kitchen that weren't being paid as much as we were making tips and how to, how to really be uh, in relationship with that. And I didn't realize that at the time, but looking back, and I haven't really talked about it, but Working in the service industry in a in a different country, even though it's U.S. territory, was definitely vital in terms of how I dealt with stress, how I deal with people uh, and their emotions and uh, conflict and stuff, too. But so after um, all this was going on with the family responsibility, um, I had an opportunity, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> The truth, people, you know, right away, gut reaction was, you got to, you got to look at Kent Wool, Kent Manufacturing, and still to this day, like you know, stepping in Mark's shadows and his shoes was just not of interest. And now I totally understood what he meant in terms of like get out there and do other things because I didn't realize all the stuff he did holistically for the family beyond just running the family business. And um, uh. Around that same time, the Lord opened another door that I didn't see coming. Uh, a dear friend of mine, Drake Bagwell, reached out 
Um, and he was the head of sales at, at Southern Tide and, and they had created, uh, an organic division called, they called it triple C, but it's really special markets. And it was collegiate marketing. I mean, collegiate marketing, collegiate, uh, collegiate licensing, uh, resort golf and corporate channels, basically anything embellished. And, and so it had grown, um, just organically. Uh, and so he, we went to breakfast about something else and he's like, I got something, you're my guy and I want you to look at it. And I looked at it and it was the first part, first time opportunity to be part of a brand, an apparel brand that had, you know, overcome all the growth, was profitable, was run by a Fortune 500, uh, publicly traded company um, that owned other brands like Tommy Bahama, Lily Pulitzer, uh, and it was really the kind of the the big leagues. And so I, I jumped at that opportunity, uh, and that was back in 2018, spring, and you know that uh, that was just a, a wonderful uh, opportunity. But around the same time, as you guys heard, like I was just spinning plates. I was pretty overwhelmed with just life and responsibilities, and uh, with that, and um, the Southern Tide uh, initially out of the gate was going really well. Um, but I was still a slave to all of my responsibilities in the other in the other sides, and and so. Um, ran into a, uh, uh, friend at the time, but we weren't that close at the time. His name's Milt Louder. Uh, it was after my, my son's baptism and, um, Milt and I were catching up and he kind of could sense that I was not doing great. And so I started, um, working with Milt one-on-one from a psychologist, uh, patient standpoint. Um, and, uh, it's been a little over three years and it's come full circle since, which I'll talk about later. But it, it was really the first time I took time. I'd been a part of you know, some great men's groups, Bible studies. I have an accountability group with, with two guys in town that I love very much. Um, but this was the first time of someone really like penetrating who I was and why I was the way I was and speaking truth into, um, you know, parts of my past, uh, the lies that I was telling myself and really changed my focus um, from just day-to-day reaction to a proactive vision, uh, visioneering for my life that's congruent with everything, not just business, not just family responsibility, not just parenthood or not just father or being a husband. And it was a congruent vision uh, that we built out um, that where only the last line had to do with my occupation. Um, And that was, that was amazing. Um, we we were able to build out a kind of a vision for my team at Southern Tide, and it was really it had nothing to do with the corporate structure, but it was to be the lights in the darkness, and that we couldn't we couldn't control other people, the past or the future, but you can control your thoughts and your attitudes and your actions and your effort and your preparation and your response. You can be kind and. We had three pillars. It was build relationships, always create memorable experiences and serve others well. And through those three pillars, you know, we could achieve any goal that was given to us. And we did. I mean, we grew that division in both revenue and personnel well beyond any uh, any uh, quarterly goal that was given. And so it was it was really fun to be a part of lovely people 
really still love the brand. Um, and obviously during that time, COVID hit, which just caused a lot of different, you know, questions and thoughts and perspective and, uh, and different things. And so uh, around that uh, 20, end of 2020, explored uh, uh, a partnership agreement with one of my teammates at Southern Tide's twin sisters, uh, Jenny Hall here in Greenville. And she had a, a vision um, for a, a high-end women's and men's boutique that had an experience element inside of it, high-touch service, online component, um, and, and just a great p- price point uh, opportun- options and stuff too. And looking back now, what I've kind of visioned out with Daybreak, but this was kind of the cart before the horse, but it was really, you know, believing in a person's vision and just helping that a vision come to life and then just getting out of the way and letting them run with that vision. And so we launched Harrington's uh, around this time last year. Our, our grand opening date was May 1st, but um, our soft launch was April 24th. And uh, it was one of those things that uh, still exceeds my expectations, just in terms of how it turned out, not just the aesthetic, but just the uh, the people we have working for us there. Uh, we've been so blessed through this. We hear, hear nothing about staffing issues and all that we've been, um, we have great managers and employees and vendors. Uh, we have not really been, we have so many different vendors and stuff like that, that the store always seems full, uh, which has been a blessing during this supply chain, uh, circus that we've all been dealing with over the past 18 months. Um, from that, uh, you know, it was, it was really cool to see, a business that you own, people willing to spend money with you. And it, it, my mind started going into this. It doesn't have to be this hard. Like, it, 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 we were like at, at, at work at Southern Tide, you know, it, it was hard. There was a lot of obstacles, uh, things that you can't control and stuff going on behind the scenes and stuff. And um, it was it was very frustrating, and so uh, I talked about in another talk I gave once was like with me. Sometimes I just need that shove, that God shove, and and so uh, June, early July of of last twenty twenty one, last summer I got that shove, um, and uh, it was such a blessing. One, I probably wouldn't have left on my own uh, because I just cared about my team so much. Uh, but two, it, it gave me a, almost like when I left Kent Wool, a burden lifting freedom to just know I left a place better than I found it. And um, that I wasn't running from that opportunity that I was running to the next. And so um, I, I started going on long walks during COVID. It was kind of my outlet and mm-hmm. take my dog. I first started with my two younger kids until they started not liking them. Um, and, you know, during those walks, I'd have my quiet time. I'd have my thinking time. I'd listen to podcasts. I'd make phone calls. And I just really fell in love with these urban walks around the neighborhood. And um, I started kind of thinking, like, what was next? And I I knew I didn't want to 
you know, acquire a business, like buy a business and learn it and start it. And I really started thinking about just the parts of the business that gave me great frustration. And it all comes down to like product inventory, cost of goods sold, personnel, scheduling, all of that stuff that, you know, is heavy investment. And then you hope it works. And, and so I was always jealous of my brother. Um, he, he was in more of a software research and consulting role. He worked, he worked with uh, Gartner for a while, corporate executive board for that. Now he's with DeVry University. And I was always jealous because he was never out of inventory. He always could. It's, it's very similar to what Foster Victor does where uh, it just comes down to time right. a lot of the times. And so I really whiteboarded out like what I like to do. Um, and it's people, connections, relationships, uh, creating memorable experiences, building out strategies, executing those strategies for people. And um, uh, from that, I kind of had my vision for this other tie team to be the lights in the darkness. And when does the light break the darkness? And it's at daybreak. And that's where daybreak, the genesis of daybreak came from. And um, uh, so I called my aunt uh, who during that time after my uncle's death, she is stewarding the family companies and stuff and doing a great job uh, and has been a blessing on that front as well as some other family fronts. Um, but Aster, uh, we have some buildings uh, in Greenville and Aster. If there was a, any spots that there's on one of the floors, there's like eight one-room offices. It's like, Sarah, is there an office? So, yeah, there's some openings I'll connect you to our property manager. And so I rented an office had my branding and pitch decks and all that stuff done with a, a, a very gifted friend of mine, Connor. Um, and then just started having meetings, uh, a lot of them, breakfast, coffees, lunches, um, and just talking about what I wanted to do. And from that, there was uh, I was overwhelmed with the opportunities that I had to come alongside business owners and leadership teams to help with key initiatives um, as it's Daybreak Investors, the only investment we have is, is Harrington's, uh, but the other investments that we have are really much more on my time and talents with with these uh, with these business owners and their companies and their teams, um, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, I, I, of those opportunities, I decided on five of the twenty because uh, I really you know had a lot of great uh, advice from people I trust about not to spread myself too thin to really just go after the, the, uh, projects that I believed in that, um, uh, the quality over the quantity. And, um, it's, that's been great advice and I've really been proud to be partnered with, I'm partnered with now. Cool. So what is your day-to-day role now? Well, I'm, I'm a one-man shop. Daybreak is, is one employee. Um, and um, I have, uh, of my five clients, of my five partnerships, four of them are here in Greenville. One's in New York City. And um, uh, the one in New York City, um, uh, there's a gentleman here in town that, that's their head of marketing, so we get to see each other. Um, and then I have a team member up there um, named Sam that she's my day-to-day contact and really keeps us accountable where we're going. And it's... Um, uh, it, it's, it's worked out very, very well. They have a great culture. Um, it's a big apparel brand up there and, um, we're doing, uh, we're emerging into a new market for them. And so, um, that one's been kind of different cause it's all been virtual, um, uh, which 
obviously through the pandemic you get used to, but um, to have a, a, a client like that, that you've never really met in person, um, it's been a cool thing and a, and a very, uh, uh, not awkward, but just like, uh, it's just not normal for me because mm-hmm. I'm a relational person. And then, then the other four groups here in Greenville, I have, I spend, uh, even though I have my own office, I spend time in their office a lot during the week. And my, my need of people have come through their teams and stuff like that. So. So you talked about how at one point you had lots of spinning plates going on. And I think that's something that most business owners that we've talked to can definitely relate to as a one man band kind of deal where you are now. How do you balance your home life and your work life without feeling like it's spinning plates all the time? Right. And so what's great is back. I mean, my life has only gotten more complicated since that time. So it's but through my work with Milt. And understanding where I'm at my best, like when am I at, like when am I at my best and understanding, you know, taking care of myself before my responsibilities is a must. Understanding where my priorities lie with with my wife and my kids um, and my family uh, where I can't be replaced type stuff and understanding where my identity isn't and where it is has been a key in my growth uh, of that. And, you know, with, with daybreak, the, the why behind the business is to be the, the light and the darkness. And so some of that might be paid, but a lot of it's not. And it's, uh, spending time with people learning about them, like, like just being an intentional person in that aspect. But back in that time, you know, I built out a, uh, a team around me, um, and Foster Victor is part of that team. And so um, <clears throat> obviously being a marketing major, I did my MBA and did focus on accounting and finance just because it wasn't my strong suit, but it's not my strength. And so having groups like Gray Rock Management Solutions, Scott Wigginton and his team, having groups like Foster Victor and McCrite and Rob and them, having attorneys like Merlin and Meacham and Doug O'Neill and um, uh, <laughs> coaches like Milt Louder and Drew Brannon and uh, accountability uh, teammates like Will Lucas and Ben Martin have been critical to um, to understanding like who I am as a as a man in my identity to where this otherworldly stuff doesn't overwhelm me. And there is moments, I mean, it's an hourly thing to reset your mind and to reset your thoughts because we have like 80 to 90,000 thoughts a day and inherently they're going to be negative if we don't get ahead of it. And, um, and so it's, 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 it's been a day by day thing. So from a, a local impact on Greenville, you know, we talked earlier about, you know, what do you envision with Daybreak doing in the future? What do you see from a support group here in Greenville for small business owners? Um, I know the last couple of years has been a little bit weird with what's been going on. Um, kind of give us your insight or outlook on what you think Greenville will ultimately turn into uh, from an opportunity uh, standpoint. Well, I mean, if you just read any publication that talks about travel destination tourism, it's becoming quite a spot. And, you know, growing up here, 
uh, our family invested in Greenville a long time ago. We moved our plant from from Philadelphia down to Pickens County in the 50s, and the family moved down in the 70s. And then in the mid-90s, Mark and my grandmother and my mom formed Three Foxes, a uh, limited partnership that, that bought you know, the, the old uh, Liberty Building downtown next to Sobeys and then the Kent Court Building uh, to keep those historically preserved. And, and, and so they, I mean, family-wise, we believed where Greenville was going a long time ago. And just with our unique combination of uh, public office and private that have come together, uni- Unity Park as an example of that, but just where it's all going, uh, it's just, one, it's, it's a, I'm in awe every day I walk downtown and see it and see what's happening. But the amount of entrepreneurs, the amount of business owners, the amount of capital that's coming into our city, uh, there's so much stuff that's going on. And from a daybreak investment standpoint, like I, where I really want to, uh, invest is in, you know, people I believe in their visions that are passionate and they're doing it purposefully. And uh, that might be around textiles and apparel, that might not be. It could be in totally other things. And so, um, and so it's, 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 I have a vision, I have a plan for it, but it's one of those things that happens with relationships and meetings and, and different things where opportunity comes up and, um, uh, but no, I, I, I see Greenville, uh, one, just as a wonderful community that's uh, very open and, and genuinely nice to others uh, that's going to just continue inviting innovation and growth and business and opportunity for a while, not, if not indefinitely. Okay. Is there anything that... Um that you wish you would have known before you started getting into uh, running a business? Well, I wish I would have trusted in uh, uh, my faith and other things a lot more than worried about my own personal plans um, because that path definitely wasn't straight. <laughs> so it wasn't what most people think it looked yeah, like? not at all. Yeah. And But it's been a really, I wouldn't change any any part of it. And been an amazing, uh, uh, the plans that have been in front of me, I couldn't have imagined or, or dreamt up myself. So um, we spend so much time worrying about things we can't control. And it can consume our thoughts and our energy and our attitudes. And so, so you say something what, from a business owner standpoint, if you were giving advice to somebody who's starting a business, what are the two or three things that you would tell them to just focus on this? Focus on your core competencies and just go. Don't worry about the things you don't have. I like that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It seems like you've taken at least one or two pieces of everything that you've done and put it all together, taken all the good parts to get to where you are today. It, um, that it's so true. The intangibles that I've gained through my different stops are invaluable, invaluable. The, the network, the people, the relationships, the experiences, the knowledge, the, from the janitor to the general manager type stuff. And it's, it's, it's been just invaluable. From a, um, 
maybe a challenge standpoint, what do you see in the next 12 months as the market, the economy starts to shift around a bit? Are you anticipating any challenges that you're already kind of thinking through or is it is it just literally day by day as, as what we're seeing kind of shifts around? In terms of my, my partners, uh, my business partners, you know, each of their businesses are different. Um, and, you know, uh, one of my uh, partners is a T-shirt manufacturer and printer and, and just uh, the, the cost, uh, the inflation of price of goods and commodities and stuff is just is really is really problem. Um, and, uh, when you're dealing with cotton and stuff like that, and, and th- there's a ceiling of what people will pay for certain things. And, um, so obviously the supply chain issues on that inflation issues on that. Um, then, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, I obviously people we've been in a, people have been spending money like wild in the past 18 months with just being pent up from quarantining to not going on vacations and stuff. And and I do see that with all that's going on in the economy leveling out for sure, you'll see as interest rates are rising with, with uh, home uh, mortgage rates and all of that, that that will slow down the market a little bit. Obviously with, with communities like Greenville where people are flocking to, from the bigger cities, we won't feel as, as much of an impact. Um, I mean, construction's at an all-time high, all of that. So I just, and there's still so much, um, you know, uncertainty in terms with, with politics, with uh, identity, with what people are going through, mental health. Like, no one's talking about that. Like, it's crazy. I mean, people are lost. And so um, that's where, like, my favorite part of my job has been is just asking people how they are and not worrying about where they're going business wise, but just how they are as a person. And, you know, my aid to them might not be, you know, uh, putting together a strategy and executing a new market expansion. It might be connecting them to a men's group or to uh, my psychologist or to um, my uh financial partner at Foster Victor or Gray Rock uh, for someone to talk to and stuff. And so um, I think in where we're living today, vulnerability and transparency is at an all-time high, that you need that uh, in your conversations, in your intentionality with people, uh, because you never know what people are going through. This is true. All right. So you want to ask the questions? Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to wrap this up a little bit, but uh, you go ahead. I don't want to steal your thunder. All right. So everyone who's been on the podcast, we have asked two questions. The first one is, what were the last two things that you bought? Last two things I bought. <clears throat> I bought a pair of True Links golf shoes and a pair of on-cloud running shoes. All right. There you go. Very active. <laughs> now, if you could buy anything in the world, regardless of cost, what would it be? Time. It's the most obvious answer, and I don't think anyone's ever said that. <laughs> We've had jet planes and Disney World and all of the above, yeah, a lot, but a lot I think of things. time is it. Time okay. is it. So, Kent, thank you for spending time with us. Um, do you want to give everybody a, a, an insight on how they can reach out to you if they want to connect? Sure. Um, 
You guys, uh, my email is just Kent at daybreakinvestors.com. Um, you can find us on LinkedIn, Daybreak Investors, or Kent Barber. And if anyone wants to grab coffee or lunch, I'm open. There you go. Quite the offer of lunch and coffee. And Eric, you want to tell them how they yeah. can find us? Yeah. So if uh, you've enjoyed this, uh, share this with a friend. Um, if you've got questions or suggestions on topics uh, that you would like for us to cover, you can uh, contact us directly through our website at fostervictor.com. Um, or you can follow us on our uh, Instagram at Foster Victor Wealth Advisors. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Information contained in this podcast was intended for general use, not to be used as specific advice. For content tailored to your personal situation, please contact one of our wealth coaches.